Everybody glad you're here. I thank God for you. Those of you joining us online, we love you guys. Can't wait to see you here uh, in person. Uh, Man, if you're here for the first time, we are delighted that God has brought you. And I've got a question uh, for everyone. I want you to look at my hand. I'm going to give what um, was kind of invented during COVID as a distress hand signal. The thumb goes across the palm and it means I'm being held against my will. It means I'm in danger. It means help. I'm in distress. Uh, about 13 months ago in uh, November of 2021, a 16-year-old girl makes a terrible decision. She gets into a car with a 61-year-old man. He keeps her in the car by threatening to kill those she loves. Now she's trapped. He transports her against, over across state lines. She uh, is terrified. She doesn't know when this nightmare is going to end. She doesn't know how this nightmare is going to end. She just knows she is scared to death. In fact, her fear has her pressed up against the, the passenger door, her uh, face against the window, trying to get as far from her kidnapper as she can. But while she's against the window, as they pass other cars, she makes the distress signal. I'm being held against my will. I'm in danger. Help, help. A a motorist sees her, understands this hand distress signal and immediately calls 911. Uh, The police uh, once alerted go into like instant action, unbelievably. They get this guy surrounded. They get him pulled off to the side of the road and the girl gets rescued. As I read the story uh, again this week, it reminded me That's how sin works in our lives. Um, It doesn't look all that bad getting in. But we have all made terrible decisions. We get in and once we're in, we're trapped. I mean, if we stay out, we're safe. But once in, man, we're in danger. Feels like we're in danger losing our minds. We stay out. It's okay, but when we get into the sin, maybe we get into out-of-control anger. Maybe we get into bitterness and unforgiveness. Maybe we get into addiction, pornography. Once in, it's not just that we're trapped, we're kidnapped by fear and worry, by anxiety and regret, by guilt and shame. We're held hostage. So how? I mean... When you're in distress, it's not just like you can flash a hand distress signal. I'm being held against my will, though sin will hold us against our will. I mean, we would want something different for our lives, but now that we're in, we can't get out. We're held against our will. We think we're, we're in danger of losing our marriage, our family, our minds. We, we need help. Help. No, we know what it feels like to be in that kind of distress when we sin because last week we came up front, took Sharpies, and wrote our sins 
Those things that stalk us during the day and haunt our nights. We wrote those issues that were giving us distress. We wrote them down and we stuck them on those walls on either side, the red pieces of sticky notes. We stuck them there and then we walked away. Now me, when I walked away Saturday night, Man, I felt relief all through Saturday night. And then I did it again, Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 10.30. Walked away. I got all the way through the first half of the Bears-Packer game feeling relieved. And then the second half. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I got all the way through Sunday. Went to bed rejoicing that night. I mean, not only do we know how it feels to be distressed, it feels gross, but we also know how it feels to be rescued and released and in emotional and mental and spiritual relief. But the distress is gross. And if I could put two words to distress, it would be these two words. Distress feels like gloom and doom. Like this thing's gonna kill me. I'm never gonna get past this. I can't get out of this dark pit that it's put me in. Distress feels like gloom and doom. So is it possible, like that girl, is it possible, like she got rescued, is it possible for us to get rescued? Just like she made a bad decision, we've made bad decisions. We should have stayed out, but we got into the sin. Now how do we get rescued? I want to take into the word of God, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, God breathes on this prophet Isaiah, and here's what he writes, it's, it's wild, there will be no more, say no more, no. say it again, no more. no more, I mean, I'm talking no more, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress, now how the heck does that work, we know what distress feels like, we we know what distress is. We know how challenging it is to get out of distress. How is it possible to be in distress and not feel a sense of gloom? Well, the prophet goes on to answer that question with these words. He writes, here's the deal. Here's how you, here's how you get through the distress without gloom. A child the Christ child, Jesus, God, come to earth through human birth, Christmas. A child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He will be our ruler. He will be called Prince of Peace. Now, I want to know, who is this Prince of Peace? I mean, he is peace. He dispenses peace. Isn't that wild? It's not just that he has this title. He gives it away. He is anxious he is eager to dispense his peace to everybody who's in distress. Even though we could have stayed out and we got in, even though it was our decision, he still wants to give us peace. The Prince of Peace. Here's how he works. Prince Jesus, he gives peace wherever he is allowed to reign. He is allowed to reign in our lives, those areas of our life where we obey his word. We allow him to reign in our relationship by obeying his word regarding our relationships. And we have peace in our relationships. 
We allow him to reign in our finances, obeying what he says about our finances, and we enjoy financial peace. We allow Jesus, our Prince of Peace, to reign in, in our thoughts and feelings, and we enjoy a growing sense of emotional and mental peace. Now, I, I find this so enthralling because it's all about relationship. If you know Jesus, then you know peace. And the more you know Jesus, the more you enjoy peace. If you experience Jesus, you experience peace. And the opposite is also true. Know Jesus, know peace. Now, I, I like the relational dynamic because I love relationships. Um, some of you, we've been in relationship as a church for over 40 years. I've been married. My Deb and I have been married for 48 years. I had a, a young 20-something girl recently asked me the secret of being married 48 years. I said, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> My wife would say, I'm lying. <laughs> no, but the, it's, it's so relational. The peace comes out of our relationship with Jesus. And so though we're in distress, he's offering the relationship. And as we respond to the relationship, as we know him, experience him, build into him, we build peace into us. Now, the prophet Isaiah, writing that 700 years ago, I mean, in your distress, here's how rescue happens. For to you, a child, the Christ child is born. To you, a son is given for us. But it goes on to describe this peace that Jesus dispenses. Our Prince Jesus dispenses peace like this. His power will never end. And so when we are in distress, we can draw on, through our relationship with Jesus, we can draw on his unlimited power. But get this, there is always a beginning and an end point to our distress. But his peace, man, he blows it out of the water. It is forever. His power will never end. His peace will last forever. And so how do we? How do we appropriate this all-powerful, this never-ending peace? And I want to tell you something. It gets even better. His peace that the Prince of Peace dispenses and has available for your life, not only is it powerful and forever, it is perfect Absolutely perfect. Check this out. From the word of God, again, Isaiah writing, you, Lord, give perfect peace uh, to those who keep their mind, their thoughts firm, set on you. And so we think, we keep our thoughts about Jesus. Now we think about other things. We think about how the Packers beat the Bears. We, th we think about work. But we redirect our thoughts and get focused on Jesus. We think about our relationships. We redirect our thoughts. We think about our work, our relationships, uh, the things in life that give us pleasure, but we think on them in light of what we think about Jesus so that our thoughts on Jesus begin to impact our work, our relationships, our friendships, what we do at school, everything captures our mind, but we redirect our mind so that our thoughts on Jesus bring peace into every area of our life. In fact, that's why it says perfect peace. Could I see that again? 
the Old Testament part of the Bible is written in Hebrew. And the word, the Hebrew word for perfect never appears in the text. The word, Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it's a comprehensive peace. It touches every area of your life where you allow Prince Jesus to rule. But what the Hebrew says is, you, Lord, give shalom, shalom. You give shalom and you just keep giving comprehensive peace. And it starts with how you direct your thoughts. It's how you think that brings about the peace. But it's not just about your head. It's about your heart. You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their mind firm, set on you, and their trust. They trust you with all their heart. Now, it's kind of wild, but the possibility of you and I really, really experiencing true peace, it begins by getting real about our sin. Look at the word of God. Scripture says, you were once far away from God. Now, that doesn't mean um, like before you were a Christ follower, before you were buried with Jesus in baptism and raised up into new life. It doesn't mean before you started going to church. No, this means like yesterday. Because there has to be this awareness in us that every time when we should stay out, where it's safe and good, and we get into sin every time we make ourselves an enemy of God. You were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. So every day, I pray something else Isaiah wrote in chapter 24. I use it to pray, Lord, I deserted and rejected you. I distressed myself with my sin. Yet with loving kindness, you have called me back to yourself. You see, every time you're in distress, God is speaking. I mean, just because you sin with your thoughts or you sin with your words or you sin with your behavior, he never stops talking to you. He never stops speaking loving kindness over your heart. All he wants to do is rescue you. He wants no longer for you to be kidnapped by the fear and the guilt, the shame, the worry, the regret. I want to show you how he does it. How it's possible that you can be rescued from distress, from, distress, from all that stuff. And what if, what if all that distresses us could be dominated by his peace? What if the Prince of Peace could just so dominate in our lives that his peace wins every time over our distress? Let me show you the word of God. By giving himself, Jesus, by giving himself completely on the cross, he can save you completely. He can rescue you completely. I mean, he actually died for you. Christ, by his death, brought you over to God's side. You made yourself an enemy. I, met, I separated myself from God by my sin. But Jesus, by his death on the cross, brought us over to God's side, brought us over to experience God's peace. I mean, you are now holy and blameless. Holy means set apart for his purpose. It means God has a dream for your life. And he's actively at work to your good, to bring that dream that he has for your life to fruition. But get this, you stand before him without a single fault. 
that stuff that we felt, that distress that we wrote on those red sticky notes and stuck them on those walls. Those things that I wrote down about me, those things you wrote down about you, that's not how God sees us. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, if you believe that Jesus is God, who came to earth through human birth, Christmas, he was born of a virgin, laid in a manger. If you believe that as he grew, he lived a sinless life, knew no sin, did no sin, and then willingly laid that perfect sinless life down on the cross to pay for our sin. And God raised him from the dead. If you believe that, when you stand before God, that red stuff, those issues, that distress, he does not see that at all. He sees you without fault. He sees you perfect because on the cross, Jesus took all our ugly, evil imperfections upon himself and he gave us the glory and beauty of his perfection. That's you when you believe in Jesus. He took everything bad about you and gave you everything good about himself. You are clothed in the goodness of Christ every time, uh, whether it was this weekend that I baptized people or what has it been, 13, 14 weeks that people have been surrendering their lives to Jesus and been being baptized here. I tell them every time, you are being bathed in the goodness of Christ. You are being clothed in the goodness of Christ. Anything wrong with you, it's all on Jesus. And everything right with Jesus is now applied to your life. We stand before him without fault. Now, last week when I walked away after the last service of sticking another red sticky note um, on the, actually, I went to that curtain over there. I did walk away relieved. And um, it carried me all the way through maybe Tuesday or, or Wednesday. And I realized that for me to live in constant relief, a constant sense of peace, there's a process I need to practice every day, every day, every day. And I've got it for you as simple as I can from the New Testament part of the Bible. Here's the process to work. Step one, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about that stuff you wrote down and put up there. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your grandkids. Don't worry about your marriage. Don't worry about your work. Don't worry about friends at school. Don't worry about anything. No, we all worry, but we can catch ourselves worrying. And when we catch ourselves worrying, we redirect our thoughts to the Prince of Peace and we pray about everything. Pray about everything. Step one, don't worry. Step two, turn your worry into worship and pray and praise God. And what happens? I'll show you what happens. Then you can ask God for anything. Sky's the limit. Tell him what you need. And he gives you peace. You may ask to win the lottery, but he gives you peace. You may ask for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I remember when I was in high school, I would pray for God, I would pray about a number of girls. God, just take your pick. I'll take any one of them to be my girlfriend. Yeah, God laughed like you did. (laughs) But God gave me peace. And God gave me my Debbie. 
but we can ask for anything. But then the hinge, the hinge on which everything turns for our experiencing peace all the time, rescued into peace all the time, in any circumstance, in any situation, it's our gratitude. Worry about nothing, pray about everything, ask God for anything, and thank him for all that he has done. When you thank God last night, anybody have a pet dog? It's like owning a two-year-old. Our dog last night, I got to get up at 5.30 on Sunday mornings. I want to go to bed at 9.30. At 10 o'clock, our, our dog decides to get up, get out of bed. And um, after some coaching on our part and some threats on our part, um, he goes, she, it's a she dog, she goes downstairs, which means my wife is going to go downstairs and sleep on the couch with the dog. I'm wondering who owns who. I'm going to have to sleep in bed by myself. I'm sure there's a reason. I had a reason for telling you about this. <laughs> oh, I forget what it is. There was a point in there somewhere. Uh, oh, I know what it was. <laughs> that brain cell just died right then. No, it's now it's 11 o'clock at night. I can't get back to sleep. And so I begin to recite in my mind everything for which I'm thankful I begin with my birth. Thank you, God, that I, you formed and knitted me fearfully and wonderfully in my mother's womb. Thank you for my mom and dad. Thank you for my brother. Thank you for the people who were in my life when I was young who loved me and gave me value and significance. I just, just began to recite to God all the things that I was thankful for. I didn't even get to those girls that I wanted to have to be my girlfriends in my teenage years <laughs> that he didn't answer those prayers. No, before you knew it, know it, his peace descended on me. And I just drifted off to sleep. Thanksgiving, it brings a peace. Then you will experience God's peace. You can stop worrying. You can stop praying. The peace doesn't come until you are thankful for all that God has done. Then you will experience a peace that will exceed anything we can understand. I got a phone call this week. I was on the phone this week, I should say. And there's some serious concerns in the Clark family right now. And the person on the other end of the line says, you know, I don't know. I don't understand how you can be so calm about this. Why aren't you upset? Why aren't you more upset? And I had a response. Two days later, I thought of the response. But two days later, I thought, it's just peace. I mean, if you've got the problem and you add drama, you just got more problems. But in distress, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. His peace, that peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in relationship with Christ Jesus. And so let me just give you three practical things I do to achieve peace. Number one, thank God for victory ahead of time. In my life, there was a season in my life for 16 years, there was a concern in our family that I prayed about every day for 16 years. 
And then in, at the end of the 16 years, God answered the prayer, but I just thanked him for the victory. Every day for 16 years, I thanked him for the victory. And then after 16 years, he won the victory. In 2016, Cubs were playing the Indians in the World Series, and I was having shoulder surgery on the day of the last game of the World Series, but it was supposed to be a two-hour surgery. I'd go home, I'd watch the game, <laughs> drugged up. But the surgery uh, turned out to be, my shoulder turned out to be a mess, broken collarbone, detached uh, bicep, and so it took hours and hours. I, get, I don't get home till like seven o'clock at night. And um, the, as it turns out, the, the game is almost over. Thank goodness my daughter had recorded the game, and so she's still in the will. Um, but I knew who won. I knew the Cubs beat the Indians. Cubs won the World Series. And so the next day, I watched the game. You know, fast forward through commercials. And, you know, it's so funny. I laughed so hard because the Indians thought they were going to win. I mean, some great thing would happen for the Indians, a home run, a great play, whatever. And they would pan down to LeBron James. He's from He's going nuts. He's jumping up and down. He's cheering, you know. I'm just laughing to myself, loser. <laughs> the Cubs are going to win. I know the game's over. Cubs are going to win. They would show shots of the Indians' dugout. When a home run happens, run score, they think they're going to win. This is it. We're going to be the world champions. We're going to win the world series. They're giving high fives, beating on the dugout. And I'm just laughing losers. Because I knew the Cubs were going to win. That's what our peace looks like. We thank God for the victory ahead of time. We know we're going to win. Even when the marriage hurts, we know we're going to win. Even when the parenting is frustrating, we know we're going to win. Even when we find ourselves in the throes of addiction, when we reach out to Jesus, we know we're going to win. We know we're going to win. We know we're going to win. So we thank God ahead of time for the victory. And we thank God when he wins for us right on time. I could go on and on, but my time is up. I could tell you about my adoptions when God would provide the money right on time. When God would bring a lawyer into our lives, right on time. Thank God when he wins for you, right on time. Resolves the conflict, right on time. Brings an answer, right on time. He is a good God. And finally, thank God for his grace all the time. All the time he gives you grace. We sin all the time. But his greater his grace is greater than our sin. The word of God says, when sin was powerful in your life and mine, God's gift of undeserved grace is even more powerful. God's grace wins. Sin ruled, but we thought it was killing us, bringing death, but God's gift of grace now rules. And God has accepted us unconditionally, not based on our goodness, but based on the goodness of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Prince of Peace. Grace and peace, your experience of them begins in one of two places. One, it begins with your baptism. When you are buried with Christ, let me just show you the word of God. 
Scripture says you are buried with Jesus when you're baptized. You put your past behind you. You bury your baggage. Your sins are washed away. And with him, you are raised to new life. The incomparably great power of Jesus now is at work in your life because you trusted the mighty power of God. It's one of the reasons the apostle Paul seems so urgent when he says, get up, get baptized. Get your sins scrubbed clean and get personally acquainted with God. And so just as we did at 815 and just as we did in the last service, I, if you've never experienced Jesus in baptism, I want to invite you to his peace and to his grace. And, and if you are baptized believer, um, of the last three weeks, I've had people tell me I was baptized as a baby. And I would tell them that was a great spiritual experience for your mom and dad. They say, yeah, it's time for us to have our own faith. Um, if you are a water baptized believer, um, I I'm going to invite everybody in the room today to get peace. I'm inviting you to peace. I'm inviting you to grace by inviting you to the front. Now there are white sticky notes, Sharpies, you know, last week, not all of us came and wrote our stuff. You're a nicer people than I am. I did it in three services. But I'd like for every single one here, every single person has some reason to thank God and be on the receiving end of his grace and peace. So if you'd stand with me now, please. I don't know what's distressing you. I don't know what's disturbing you. I don't know what's troubling you. But I believe in the Prince of Peace and I believe he's ready to dispense to you. And he, Thanksgiving triggers his peace. And so as Joshua leads us and as we sing with him, everybody, you got something. Let's cover all that red garbage up with white praise and white prayer and white gratitude and white thanksgiving. If you've never experienced Jesus in baptism, I'll meet you right down here. Just come right to me. Um, otherwise, everybody, you, you come to the stage, the, the, the magic markers and the sticky notes are spread all the way across here and just go to one board or the other and stick, cover something red. Let's get the white of gratitude covering all those issues. Uh, let me pray over you. Father God, we ask that you descend now like never before in this service and just come in power, come with loving kindness, come with conviction. Lord, just review to our hearts all that we have to be grateful for in Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.